I want to share with you a brief about what I sense in my heart is God's prophetic plan for the Nagas or for Nagaland. Because that includes us as a church and it includes you as an individual. And that will make you understand how you fit into God's prophetic plan even for your own life. How many of you know that God has a will for each and every one of us? Amen. It's not a will that is only seen in the Word, but it is discovered in our relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. You are not an accident. You're not here by chance. God has a purpose for your life. And it is more than just being a government official. It is more than just being a father and a mother. It is more than just engaging with the natural things of this world. There is a heavenly will of God for your life. Can you say amen? There's a heavenly purpose. And I tell you this. Your reward in heaven. How many of you want rewards in heaven? Your rewards in heaven is determined by how you followed God's will for your life. Amen. How you followed God's will for your life. And so it's important that we seek God. And we seek Him regularly, consistently, because it's through our relationship with Him, God gives us glimpses. God gives us more wisdom, more understanding about how He has called us how He has gifted us and how He wants to use us. And I tell you, your greatest joy will be in discovering that and following that. Your fulfillment will come out of fulfilling God's purpose. So for too long, the church has been fed messages where it's all about their blessing and their inheritance in Christ and their victory and the healing. And that's wonderful. It's all included. It's all about their anointing that's upon their lives. It's good. It's included. But we must understand, after healing, what? After breakthrough comes into our life, what? After we are anointed, what? Surely there is a purpose to God giving us a gift. Surely there's a purpose why God has placed resources in our hands. Surely there is a purpose God has healed you. Why? So that you can witness of His goodness to the nations. It's not just for us alone. And so as a church, if God has blessed us from the time that we were in a small dining hall 20 years back, 30, 40 people to now where we are. Last Sunday, all services put together were about a thousand. Surely it's not only for Faith Harvest Church and for us. The way He has blessed us, we must have a bigger picture. It's not for us alone. It's for the nations. Can you say Amen? Amen. So, have a big heart. Have a big vision. But I want to show you God's prophetic plan for Nagaland, alright? Now, how many of you know God has plans for nations? God's plan includes nations. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, 
And he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place. So every nation of mankind, every people group, God made out of one man and has predetermined the places and the boundaries where they are supposed to live. So it's not by chance that we headhunters and enemists for thousands of years landed up in this place called Nagaland where we become part of the Indian nation. It's not by chance. There's a predetermined allotment of where we are and it fits into God's destiny and plan for our lives for the future. Hallelujah. God's plan includes Nagas. Not just us individually, but the Nagas. Look at Matthew 28 verses 18 to 19. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all. Can you speak louder? Nations, not just all believers, not just peoples, but nations, people, groups. God is interested in nations, not just individual believers, but in nations. Nations. That means the Nagas as a whole. God is interested because He has a plan and a destiny for us. So let's go back to the slide. God's prophetic plan for the Nagas. And let's look first at our position. Where we have been positioned geographically. So if you look to the north and the northeast, that's about 1.4 billion Chinese. If you look to the east, it's about 1.2 billion Indians. If you look to the south, it's about millions of other nations, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Thailand, which includes Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus all the way to Indonesia. And Nagaland is placed right in the middle. When you look at it from the context of the gospel, right in the middle where billions of people need the gospel, right in the middle of one of the least reached territories of the world. 1.2 billion Hindus, 1.4 billion Buddhists, Muslims all around us. And guess what? We were all living in our own little cute villages, having our own little kingdoms, taking each other's head, right? Now, if you look at the position right now, we have easy access to all of these regions, even more than an American pastor or an European pastor. We have easy access. Not only that, we have cultural similarities. Not only that, we have the ability to assimilate in all these regions. When we were in Indonesia, I mean, they were so happy to have us. And it's true. Now, I don't want to be racist. I don't want to sound racist, but I tell you, they were more happy to have us than an Indian face. Nothing wrong with an Indian face, but it's just the way the world is and the way people think. Even PM Modi made a remark how people from the Northeast are more easily accepted in Southeast Asia than a typical Indian face. A typical Indian face is regarded with hostility. I'm just talking facts. Okay, even though there is cultural similarities between Southeast India and India because of the ancient empires from India that controlled all of those regions, yet the cultural similarities are more with people of the Northeast. So they are 
they easily connect with us, we easily connect with them, and we are able to just enter into the heart quicker. So that's our positioning from the Lord. We don't mean any of this in a negative way, but that's just the facts. But the other thing is that we are easily connected to India also. I mean, I love India. I love the Indian face. How many of you love the Indian face? Yes, we love India. I love butter chicken, dosa, whatever naan, biryani, I love all of that. I can be at home in Lucknow and I can be at home in Singapore. And I don't feel out of place in any part of India or any part of Southeast India. And I feel that's what the majority of Nagas also have. It's not by mistake that we are like that. Do you know that? That's the way God has made us. That's the way God has designed us. That's the way God has tweaked us. Why? For us? No, it's not for us. It's for a bigger purpose, a higher purpose, a kingdom purpose. You can go and plant a church in Lucknow. You can go and just be friends with people in Gujarat, in Mumbai. And then you can go to Burma and still just be at home there. We think the Nagas, we are small people. We have nothing. We have no, no, no companies. We have no resources. I told you, yes, in the natural we are small. But in the kingdom, we have a big destiny. And we have to rise to a kingdom destiny more than trying to create our own natural destinies wherein we will always be following other races and other people. Alright? Let's look at our history. History. Enemies and headhunters. No contact with the outside world. And then in 1872, the gospel planted. Even before that, the gospel came to the Nagas in Arunachal. But in Nagaland, it was 1872. Christianity began to be established. Very slow progress. In the 1940s, it was only about 40% Christianity. But then there was a large presence of Christians. And then the Second World War happened, which I believe is significant in our history, even prophetically, because Kohima was the place where the westward expansion of the Axis power, Germany, Italy, and Japan, which represented fascism, totalitarianism, evil. Because they were just going everywhere, just destroying people. It was stopped here in Kohima. The greatest defeat the Japanese army faced in its westward expansion was here in Kohima, where about 3,000 British, Indian, and American soldiers defeated over 12, 13,000 Japanese. David against Goliath. Right here in this place. But even before that, God had already positioned us because He put the gospel here and there were praying people here in Nagaland. It was in April. Guess what happened in June? June was where the Normandy invasion happened. So the toppling of the Axis powers, it happened one by one after the Battle of Kohima. So Kohima, the Lord spoke to me while I was in Chiang Mai 2017 in another gathering. Kohima is a gate. Nagas, we are a gate. A gate. What's the purpose of a gate? A gate stops enemies from entering. But the gate can also open to invite friends. And the gate also allows the people inside to go out. So we are a spiritual gate. Nagas. That's our destiny. We must understand this. We are a spiritual gate. We are small up in the hills, but I tell you, our destiny is big. 
We are gatekeepers of God. That's what the Lord spoke to my heart. Faith Harvest Church is a gatekeeper. What do we mean by that? Let's look at the history of revival. In the 1950s and 1960s, revival came to Nagaland. First the gospel came, the word, then revival came. 1976 among the Baptist churches, 50s and 60s, revival to denomination. And from Nagaland, it spread to Arunachal. Arunachal, the majority of Christians that has grown out of Arunachal has been through the revival in Nagaland, the Christian revival denomination. They're still having revival in some parts of Arunachal. So revival came. A gate, right? A gate opens for blessings to come in. And through that, it goes to other regions. So revival came to Nagaland and it spread to Arunachal, Assam. Then it spread to Nepal and Bhutan, West Bengal, Manipur. Many of those, not completely entirely, but many, many, many places in these states were impacted by the revival in Nagaland. And I'm just talking about regions. Even many missionaries went out of Nagaland, even today, out of the fruit of our revival. Is it making sense what the gate means? Right? So that's what the Lord has done in our past, our history. So the Nagas or the Nagaland is a gate for God's glory and spirit to be poured out and then to go to the nations. But at the same time, our positioning as the body of Christ is important because our prayers and intercessions can stop the expansion of evil. Amen. So as a church, we must rise in intercession to pray for the nations, to pray for India. Because what we are seeing in the world right now in the nations, there is shaking happening. There's confusion in the nations. There are storms, economic storms, inflation. I was just reading about how Turkey is experiencing 100% inflation. That's huge. This is controlled, it can become another Sri Lanka. There's turmoil in the nations. There's shaking in the nations. And let me tell you this. These are not times for us just to be going about a merry Christian life, not considering God's will, God's purpose, our faith, being led by the Holy Spirit. These are times as believers, we must pray be led by the Holy Spirit in everything we do. These are crucial times where one decision that you make can really affect your life for good or for evil. These are crucial times. And these are times the church must rise. We cannot just be led by the flesh. We cannot just be led by opportunities. We cannot just remain immature, disobedient, not submitted to God's plan wanted to do our own way. You cannot just remain like that. These are times when we as believers, we must see God, pray, be led by Him, submit to His plan and purposes. Many Christians don't do that. And then later on, they blame others. They get frustrated about where their life is going. God has a plan for all of us. It fits with His plan. Everything we do must fit in with His big plan. All right, so that's the history. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world 
to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. How does Nagalus, Nagas, Nagalin fit into God's big plan of bringing revival and harvest in the last days? Well, it's because we are small people. We are not mighty people. We are not wise people. We are not smart people. We don't have any Nobel Peace Prize or Nobel scientists here in Nagaland. We don't have anything. And that works to our advantage also because it means we are really qualified for God's grace. <laughs> well, God's grace always goes to the weak, the undeserving, the lowest. Amen. So as Nagas, you see, we must be strong in God's grace. Don't seek to be strong in the way the world is strong. There's nothing wrong in pursuing education and business so that you can do well and be excellent in the world. But I tell you, I believe the destiny for Nagas is really the gospel. It's nations. To be a missionary people. And if we are strong in the grace of God, as imperfect as we are, as wise and as weak as a people that we are, God will lift us up. See, not many wise, not many noble, not many from mighty nations of people are chosen. The wisdom of God is this. The base things of the world, the base things, the low things of the world, and the despised, God has chosen. That's the wisdom of God. He chooses the littlest, the smallest, to do great things. The Nagas were headhunters, unknown to the world, Nangas, right? That God planted His gospel. God chose to plant the gospel here. If our vision doesn't awaken at this moment, I don't know what more we can say. God chose to plant us here in the middle of darkness all around. Is it by chance? No, it's not by chance. It's His destiny and plan. So God wants us to love India. God wants us to love China. And I know many of you will love China more than India. <laughs> but God wants us to love the people in this region. Why? Because the heart of love is how we carry the good news to them. Hallelujah. Even if you don't go. Just even in your prayers, in your giving. Amen. See, the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. We were nothing as a people. But God's lifting up so that no flesh should glory in His presence. That's how God operates. That's His wisdom. Even many He calls into the ministry are people with no good testimony. I mean, they are just people who were drug addicts, alcoholics, nobodies, stammerers. And then God anoints them, calls them, and lifts them up to proclaim the gospel. So we must have a big heart. I'm believing that as a church. Okay, some of you may think, oh, Pastor, we're not a denomination. We don't have 20, 30, 100 churches together. Uh, how can we do it? I don't know. I just have a heart. God will figure out the rest. But as a church, we're impacting Myanmar. As a church, we're impacting regions in India, Orissa, Assam. And even now, we're praying for Indonesia. But I'm also praying about TV. Going on the TV having the potential to reach millions of people in India, Thailand, Bangladesh, through God TV. As a church, by God's grace, we can do it. If all of you will agree, if all of you will be united, if all of you will support the vision, 
And we do it together because God's plan is not just for individuals. Individuals in a family, family in a city, city in a state, as a people, church, all of us together. You see, God's plan for Nagas is not only for Baptists. How many of you know that? It's not only for NBCC. It's not only for revival. It's for all Nagas. For every independent church also. No one has a claim on God's plan. That only the NBCC will do it only. No one has a claim. It's whoever is willing. We respect and honor all of that, but God has called us to be independent. So that's where we take our position. And that's how we fulfill God's plan. Hallelujah. Now I want to show you some signs about how we are a gateway. Asian Highway number one starts from Japan, goes all the way to Korea, South Korea, goes through the industrial regions of China, and it goes to Vietnam, then Laos, Cambodia, it goes into Thailand and to Burma, and guess where it comes through? Here, the highway just here. Asia Highway number one goes through Kohima, it goes through, of course, from Moray, Manipur, it goes, and all the way it goes through India, all the way towards the Middle East, and it can even connect to Jerusalem. And once this highway opens up, when the peace solution comes, actually, there'll be a major thoroughfare of goods and people, and you will be able to easily go to China, overnight bus. That's Asia Highway number one. Look at Asia Highway number two. Starts from Surabaya in Indonesia, where we met some really good friends. All the way through Java, Solo, that's where Hani and all these people are. It goes through Singapore, Malaysia, and it joins up with Asia Highway number one in Thailand. And it also goes all the way through Nagaland. Highways are significant. Did you know that? In the times of Paul, the gospel went through the highways. Highways are really important because wherever a road is made, development comes. Education comes. Development. Business improves. Lifestyle of people improves. So highways, we think it's only infrastructure. No, no. Highway just opens up the entire people, the entire region. And even that becomes a highway for the gospel. These are things that will happen in the future very quickly. So why are we a gateway? Because we are able to straddle both Southeast Asia, Asia, and India. We're able to connect with both. And I think even the highways passing through our land is like a prophetic sign about God's positioning and prophetic plan for us. Let's look at the next slide. A city on a hill. This is a prophetic painting one of the young men from Surabaya gave me. He said he saw me share about Kohima and he felt that this was for him. He saw this in a dream a few days before the conference where there was darkness all around the world, confusion, people are fighting, there's stress. But then there's a city on a hill where God's children are traveling to on a bus and on that hill they're finding refuge, they're finding comfort, they're finding peace, security. And guess what? I've already shared even in this church, how Kohima is a city of refuge. How Nagaland is going to be a place of refuge in the last days. Even when persecution happens among Christians in various parts of the country or other parts of the world, Nagaland will be a place of refuge. 
Even the Bible school, the land that we bought, when we were praying over it, God spoke to us how it's going to be a place of refuge for many pastors from other parts of India who will be coming there to be restored, refreshed, strengthened, taught, encouraged, and sent back. And now Kohima is a place where there's a lot of water. Kohima is a city on the hill, and that's like the road up to Kohima. So that's what God wants us to see. As a people, we are a place of refuge. Nagaland will be a place of refuge, spiritual refuge. Help who will come from various parts of the world in Nagaland to catch the fire of revival, to be trained, to be taught. I'm telling you the truth. We think we're small. Yes, naturally we are very small. Look at the highway. <laughs> right? But in the spirit, we are big people. We are gateway for the gospel and for the fires of revival. Let's look at the next slide. So a city of refuge, Nagaland, it includes Faith Harvest Church, it includes our Bible school land. So we're not just wanting to make a Bible school for the sake of it. No, it fits into God's plan for the last days. Our church is fitting into God's plan for the last days. Why is God giving us a small church? I mean, such relationships with people all around the world. Myanmar, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, where nations are opening up to us. Why? Not only to us, but even our pastors in Asia Harvest Alliance. Why? It's not for us. It's all God's plan. See, we cannot think, oh, we are such great people. Everyone wants to connect with us. See, we are better than that church down there. We, are it's, we can't think like little children. There's a big plan. There's a big purpose. So stay hooked up. See, if you think that Nagaland we're small, nothing is happening. Let's go to some other place in the world where things seem to be happening. You may miss God's plan for your life. The best place to be is in God's will for your life. Amen. The best place is not, I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be in Hawaii. I want to be in Singapore. No, there's no such thing as the best place on the planet for a Christian. The best place on the planet for a Christian is in the middle of God's will. So if God tells you to go to Nepal, that's the best place for you. It's better for you to be in Nepal if it's God's will than to be in your father's bedroom. I'm telling you the truth. If God's will is for you to be in the marketplace, if God's will is for you to be a doctor, if God's will is for you to be serving in any place, that's the best place for you. Don't decide based on social media. Don't decide based on the chatter of people. Oh, this is great. This is amazing. See, as people, we are led by God, not by popularity. Amen. Why Indonesia? Why, why not Germany, why, why not England, right? I don't know. God opened the door there, so we go there. Amen. So, Faith Harvest Church fits in with God's plan for Nagaland. It fits in with God's plan for the nations. A place of refuge. It's a gate wherein we bring people. They get restored. They catch the fire of revival. They get the word, and then they go back. And then we also go to the nations from here. What do we carry? I believe Naga's best export is the gospel. Right? That's the best export. Yeah. And then we talk a lot about the textiles and our handicrafts. That's wonderful. I tell you, it's amazing. I've been to Arunachal. They have amazing, same type like us also. I've been into hill traps in Thailand where they have better than us also. So, you know, we have to place whatever we have from the overall earth perspective. Many other tribes, thousands of tribes, 
as beautiful as us, as amazing as us. But what is unique about us is the gospel with the heart of revival. Amen. An ability to be in all of Southeast Asia. And that's just the grace of God upon us as a people. I don't know, people like us. I mean, look at my face. It's not a very likable face, isn't it? <laughs> but people just like us. And I can't go in front of the mirror and say, Ay, kill him, man, you know, na? And of course, there's nothing externally why people should like us. But it's just the grace of God. They just identify us with all these regions. So it means that there is a great calling upon us as a people. We must export the gospel, the fires of revival. That's our destiny as a people. I'm not saying all of us, but whatever we do as a people, different, different people in different places, working, serving, collectively, we support the vision to take the gospel of Naganan. Some people give, some people pray, some people go. But we must have a heart to go. We must have a heart to go to the nations, impact the nations through media, through TV, through people going physically. And my heart is even to send missionaries to Burma and to Indonesia from our church. You can go and live there. Teach there for a month, two months, three months. That's what we are praying and believing God for. Hallelujah. So, God's prophetic plan, I believe, for Nagas is really the gospel. The distraction that we are seeing right now is the corruption, the elections, the peace process. The peace process, even though I don't think it's the biggest of God's destiny for Nagas, is important, is included, because that will really open up the way for development and peace to come and for people to be able to go and for others to come here too. The major impediment in this highway is Nagaland. Did you know that? The mother of all insurgencies is from Nagaland. So once this gets solved. So do you know why it's so crucial in God's plan that we are praying as a church into these different areas? You see, political things, geographical things, historical things are all in God's plan and destiny because we see a glimpse of how God works and where God is leading us to because everything that happens in the nations are not by chance. There is a big play beyond the politics and the geographical things happening around the world and that is souls. Souls. The destiny of souls are being determined. Destiny of souls. Devil and God. And what we see in the nations is just a manifestation of the real battle in the spirit. So things that we see in politics, economies, it all affects the preaching of the gospel. It all affects the movement of people. It all affects hearts of people. But God in His wisdom, in His grace, is able to work out all of these things. So that even in terrible times, people respond to the gospel. Even in times of prosperity, people respond to the gospel. Hallelujah. So position yourself. Pray. Seek the Lord. Even a simple decision like, I want to join this church. I want to join that church. You need to make with God's plan in mind. Not like, oh, I like this church, so I'll join this church. It's like, I like the color blue, so let me join Blue House. Right? Little children, we decide based on our preferences. But as we grow and mature, 
We have to go where God tells us to go. You see, God is not just your savior. God is not just the ice cream man that comes every Sunday. When you come to the prayer line, he gives you an ice cream. You lick a little bit, you feel happy, you go back home. But next Sunday, you need more ice cream, so you come. We lay hands upon you, you feel a little joy, you feel a little happy, you go back home. It's more than that, right? How many of you realize? God's not just giving spiritual ice creams every Sunday when you come to church. God is the commander of His army. Jesus is the commander of the Lord's armies. How many of you believe that? That means the commander has orders for all of us. And he tells us, you go here, you do that. You read this. You go and get education in this area. You go to Bible school. He wants to direct you. And our part is to obey. Which soldier in the Indian army or any army, when the general tells him, go to the battlefield, go and do this, the soldier says, ah, I don't want to go. Can I go there? Huh? Any soldier? Come on, soldiers here. Any soldier does what he wants to do, that soldier is going to get fired immediately. On the spot. Court-martialed. Soldiers don't decide what they want to do. Soldiers obey. But majority of Christians want to do what they want to do. They still haven't come to the revelation. Jesus is not only your savior. He's your master. He's your general. And maturity is not seen in how the gifts and the anointing flow through your life. That's not maturity. Maturity is seen in how you obey whatever God says. You just obey without questioning. Gifted people who don't want to obey are immature. See, in the heat of the battle, the general can only use soldiers who obey. You may be the best sniper in the whole world, but if you always talk back to your general and say, Kile! In the heat of the battle, the general will never trust you. You will not be used. You will not be used because you don't obey. Because in the heat of the battle, the general, the brigaders, the colonels, the majors, the captains, lieutenants, whoever in the chain of command will only use people who will obey. We are all part of the army of God. This is not the party of God. You just drink what you want to drink, eat what you want to eat, do what you want to do. No. And the way God lifts us up, God, the way God promotes, the way that God gives us more responsibility in the body of Christ, not only in church, but in the body of Christ, connects us with other nations, connects us with other families around the world. We have more resources. I mean, God has just given us more resources this year, financial, even to impact other places. It's because of obedience, stewardship. So I want to give a challenge to every one of us today. Will you obey God's prophetic plan for us? In whatever way God will ask you to commit to His purpose. Either through your personal decision to go, either through your decision to pray, either through your decision to support, if at all, all of us are called. But even in the calling, there are many other callings. He comes and calls you to do more commitment, to more involvement. How many of us will say in our hearts, if God says, go to Indonesia 
as a doctor, I will go. Go to Myanmar as a teacher, I will go. I'm not just talking about theologian, okay? Because the, way I, the moment I say theologian, the rest of us say, oh, that doesn't include me. No need to stand up. If God says go, even for one week to go, I'm not saying go and live there. Even for one week to go to Indonesia, to go to Burma, to go to Oris, just for one week, I will go. The nations. In Psalms 2, I believe, verse 8, God has a conversation with Jesus. And in that conversation, God's telling Jesus, ask of me and I will give you nations as an inheritance. But that also includes the church because we are part of the body of Christ. So the nations are our inheritance. See, as a church, I want you to love nations. Love nations. Not just houses and cars and material things. All of that is very important so that we can love nations with our resources. Not use the nations for our things. We use our things, we use our resources to love the nations. Can you say amen? Amen. So how many of you would commit? If the Lord says, give five lakhs, I will give to the nations. Our pastor in Myanmar is about to locate a land for us to buy. If God says, give that away. If God says, go. If God says, give your time. God, this is my plan for the Nagas. This is my plan. How many of you will say, okay, I will do it, Lord? Because what God's looking for is really obedience. He's not looking for mighty men. He's not looking for powerful men, wealthy men. See, God doesn't choose the high things, the mighty things. Yes, there are times He does. But basically, it's all who are willing. But God's wisdom is to choose the base things, the low things. To confound the wisdom of the wise. A people that's about 1.5 million, the Nagas, all the tribes put together. And many have double names. Some in the village, some in Dimapu. So we really don't know our own population size, okay. <laughs> How can we impact all of that region? The gospel. See, if I go to Indonesia and I train 10 pastors, I fill them with the power of the Spirit, and they go to their regions, and they bring revival, I've impacted all those regions. You see, it's not, that, it's not me having to go and put my face in all those regions, you see, or my name. If you can train 50 students from Indonesia and release them as pastors and evangelists and they go into all the islands and they bring thousands of people to the Lord, what a great impact is that? We have to go beyond seeing our impact as only things that we do ourselves. We do it as a family. We do it together, a family. Hallelujah. So I want to challenge you to respond to God today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. How many of you agree that this is from the Lord, God's prophetic plan for the Nagas? We are a gate from heaven to the nations to carry the gospel and the fires of revival. And if God should say, go. If God should say, give. If God should say, send. If God should say, sacrifice your time. Connect to the plan. Connect to the vision. If God should say that to you at any time, how many of you are willing to say, yes, Lord, and make a decision today? Would you raise your hand right now? 
Just raise your hand. Anyone else? Up in the balcony. Oh, thank you. Just raise your hand. Yes, Lord, I am willing. Would you raise your hand? Would you stand to your feet wherever you are? Hallelujah. Come on, just lift up your hands to the Lord. And we're going to pray for you, those who are standing. I want to pray for you. That God will give you grace. His Spirit will mark you from this day. And God will begin to guide you in His own specific ways. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands and are standing. And I thank you for their lives and the willingness to commit and obey whatever the Holy Spirit will say in the days to come. Even as they make a simple decision of faith, that they are willing to connect with God's prophetic plan for Nagaland. They're willing to be a gate. They're willing to go. They're willing to give. They're willing to send. They're willing, Lord, to sacrifice whenever you ask for the nations. Father, I pray that right now you will release into their hearts. You will release an impartation and a love for the nations. You will give them wisdom and understanding and revelation even right now for your plan in the nations. Cause them to see what they have not seen before. Cause them to understand what they could not understand before. Cause them to hold in their hearts what they could not hold before. Nations, O oh Lord, with love and compassion. And Father, I pray that you will use each and every one of these that are standing, O oh Lord, in the nations. Let your anointing just rest upon them even right now, Lord God. Come on, just begin to pray your own prayer. Those who are standing, just pray your own prayer to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.